0: Welcome to A Fistful of Best Scars. It's the podcast about The Mandalorian, the Disney Plus original series. I'm Dirk. And I'm Jonah. And today we're going to be covering episode two of The Mandalorian. Yes, we are. It is just entitled chapter
1: two. It was directed by Rick Famuyema, and it was uh, written by showrunner Jon Favreau. Yeah,
0: so we see a little bit more of the Mandalorian interacting with the baby or the client or not the client. I should say the asset. Yes. As, as it's referred to, or the child in some synopses. Um, Also more interaction with Quill uh, played by Nick Nolte. Yes. And some fun, so <laughs> to speak interactions with the Jawa
1: yeah you know it was a fun episode you know I think it's all said all the actual meat of the episode is actually under 30 minutes so again we're seeing that kind of in and out tell the story get out of you know the story as quickly as possible which you know with so many uh, TV shows out there where they seem like the the, uh, episodes get bloated more and more and more Mm -hmm. it's great that they kind of say nope just take all the fat away we're just thinking you know this is what you're getting and this is all you need
0: we'll get further into the episode in a little bit, but of course we always like to start the show with the bounty board. It's our star Wars news segment. Um, first off JJ Abrams came out with his favorite scene from all the star Wars movies. Uh, of course JJ Abrams is directing, um, the rise of Skywalker soon to be out. Um, and it turns out his favorite scene from Star Wars uh, takes place, I believe it's, is it in Episode 3? It's an Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. That's right. So, uh, Chancellor Palpatine and Anakin Skywalker are attending... Uh, zero gravity water ballet yeah that's yeah it's it. like
1: you know night at the Opera slash ballet or something like that yeah, it's an interesting scene very visually uh which I'm glad you know it's one of those scenes where they put something really interesting in the background because it is basically a scene of two people just having a
0: conversation <laughs> right and um Chancellor Palpatine is talking to actually he's not even Chancellor I should back up he's he's still senator at this point, right? No, no, I think he's yeah. No, he's the chancellor though. He one. is chancellor. Okay. Well, he's talking with Anakin, um, uh, about the Sith in in this, um, in this conversation, talking about the things that the Sith do with the dark side of the force.
1: Yes, and, you know, and it's one of the you know, as if you're steeped into the Star Wars world and stuff you see kind of memes about have i ever told you the myth uh the story of darth Plagueis, the tragedy of darth Plagueis, and you know that's really what he's saying his favorite scene is mm-hmm. from any star wars film so sorry prequel haters jj abrams loves the prequels it turns out
0: well of all the prequels uh, all three i really like revenge of the sith the best
1: yeah and i you know i think that a lot of the prequels get some undue hate not And it gets very justifiable. Hey, don't get me wrong. But yeah, Revenge of the Sith has the the closest moments to greatness
0: um, from any of the prequels. I would agree. Um, So there you have it. Yep. Revenge of the Sith.
1: Well, and you know, and that story, I have to say, involves, you know, basically using the force to create life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is he giving us a bit of an Easter egg? Is he giving us a hint as to how it is that the Emperor in some form or another is in uh uh rise of skywalker is he giving us a hint as to ray's past we won't know until we see the film but i i would almost assume that that's where he's coming from
0: i would think so too yeah
1: <laughs> so um i don't know if anybody else has heard us but uh, the mandalorian is now the most in demand original streaming uh show in the u.s it's even uh you know, it's 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 crossed. It's a uh, you know eclipsed Stranger Things on Netflix, which is amazing.
0: Yeah, that's no small feat. Uh, I think Stranger Things held the title for 21 weeks straight as the most in-demand streaming show in the U.S. So, The Mandalorian just kicked them right out yeah that's crazy
1: um i mean and we knew that the numbers on disney plus were going to be huge they were you know won't say they're giving the show away but they're definitely making it at a very affordable price to make it so it's like more you know it's accessible to everybody Mm -hmm. and there was a ton of hype around this um mandalorian show um you know and and it just also goes to show that people really really loved their star wars content Mm -hmm. yeah this is
0: as good of evidence as you can get yes
1: that's definitely and Dirk I just want you to you know you can finally sigh you know give that sigh of relief that baby Yoda merchandise is officially licensed on shopdisney.com as well as starwars.com
0: oh thank goodness (laughs) now
1: if you're waiting for a plushie or anything like that, you really want your your baby Yoda to squeeze before you go to sleep every night. You're going to have to wait. As it appears, they have just used one image from the concept art of baby Yoda and basically stuck it on a lot of uh, T-shirts and bags, purses, things like that. So okay. I have to say that... That that I was a little bit disappointed by that, uh, just because it didn't look like a whole lot of effort was put into that. Yeah. It also makes me wonder: did they not see that the fact that Baby Yoda was going to become the phenomenon
0: that it is? Clearly not. There's uh, yeah. a lot of short-sightedness there. I mean, I just
1: can't imagine that. I mean, it seems like the character was custom-made to be sold in the, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> and you know, and to be you know, to have you know, full advantage of merchandise. And yet, it seems as though it. Com- completely uh you know the rug was pulled from out uh um, under disney with that so i'm you know so there was a lot of demand for it. a lot of people you know i know that on etsy and things like that that there was a lot of unlicensed baby yoda merchandise being created and now disney can finally say our official logo is on this <laughs>
0: yeah i think it's interesting that they went with a concept illustration of baby yoda and not an actual, like a, a picture or even an illustration based on how Baby Yoda looks yes, in the I don't show. Know. The concept art is very.
1: I mean, it's. I have to say, it's very close to Baby Yoda's like actual like how you know the, this this. I shouldn't say he is Baby Yoda. Could very well be female. it Could be something we don't even know. It's an alien species for all we know. But right. you know, but Baby Yoda, um, you know, is uh, very much. It, it's just amazing to me that. That we're in a situation where uh yeah baby yoda is like is you know the image the, the face of baby yoda is so much ingrained now on in the internet and what we see every single day yeah and that you know the concept art was very closely aligned to that but yeah it's just you know there's so many gifts there's so many everything that are out there right now why did they choose what they did which is right. still an adorable picture don't get me wrong
0: yeah but give me like give me actual baby yoda and then i'll start buying the merch (laughs) Uh, let's go ahead and move on to duel of the fates this is our main segment so we're going to talk about episode two which is chapter two um i believe the subtitle is the child the child yes it is so uh the synopsis from wikipedia says while escorting the child to his ship the mandalorian fights off an ambush by rival bounty hunters approaching the ship they find it in the process of being stripped by jawas the mandalorian violently confronts the scrap merchants but he's stunned Literally stunned while besieging <laughs> their sand crawler and dropped from its roof. The following day, Queel assists the Mandalorian in locating and negotiating with the Jawas to retrieve his ship's components. Yeah, that sounds like what happened in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the first thing that kind of struck me was that I was very surprised that Jawas showed up. Yeah. So that's one thing that I growing up, you
1: know, as a Star Wars fan and everything, as long as I thought Jawas were something that were just indigenous to Tatooine. Now we see right. that they're in other areas of the outer rim territories mm-hmm. that they're more just a desert dwelling people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um uh, clearly they they're not on Tatooine, but they they have a very like similar mode of transportation. Uh same career path as their brethren (laughs) yeah and they will not leave any any amount of machinery alone in the desert
1: no it's not just droids guys these guys (laughs) they'll take any scrap that they can Um, so yeah i think though that they that was another um smart thing to do because i feel like if they were to introduce another um alien species we'd have to kind of learn the whole rules of that society, how they work. You show you have Java show up, um, in a star wars show you know exactly what to expect mm-hmm. you know they're scrap dealers they steal droids they steal metal they do things like that and they kind of go and then they ride on to the next um deal that they have to make so i think that was actually really smart on the part of the uh, producers of the show just to kind of have jaw just to kind of i uh, make it official that jawas can be anywhere which then right. you know, that also to me raises a question does that mean Tusken Raiders can be you know all these things you know I kind (laughs) of wondered that too yeah um we're gonna get to it but you know the Mudhorn um creature that shows up later I actually wondered you know in Star Wars lore there's this thing called the it's like the Krayt's Dragon and I was wondering if that was maybe like another version of the Krayt Dragon or something like that which is um you know, which you know, supposedly it's the uh, sound that scares away the sand people when an Obi Wan, played by um, Alec Guinness, makes uh, when he makes his appearance. Oh. There's like a bit of a cry in the background, and it's it's always been you know official novelizations and things like that saying that the I mean sorry the sand people run away from hearing a Krayat
0: dragon howl. Is that the the Krayat dragon? Um, back in I think I think it's a New Hope where we find c3po and r2d2 wandering through the desert they come across a long serpentine kind of i believe that
1: that's what that's supposed to be okay so
0: that makes sense
1: so yeah that's um so yeah there's like a lot of things i just feel like that having it be the jawas and not another alien species just clears Mm -hmm. up and allows just for the story to move on which is kind of you know what we talked a lot lot about in our first episode was just it's name of the game with the mandalorian it's Getting the story going as quickly as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Taking very few breaks along the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it's a great shorthand to to just especially for Star Wars fans who who know enough about Jawas and that that kind of culture within the series to just say, okay, I get it. And then yes, move exactly. on with it, like literally use use it as a plot vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Um so the the bulk of the episode really takes place with uh the mandalorian and quill and the child just kind of following along behind the sand crawler trying to catch up Um, they go through some desert scenes um i was really expecting some tuscan raiders to pop out (laughs) especially in in the gully that they walk through um to get to the sand crawler Uh, but finally they do catch up with them um and the jawas of course are master negotiators and they will not
1: yes yes and you know there was like a lot of stuff in the scene where they were in that scene with um uh them with the negotiation of trying to get you know the the parts of of uh, the mandalorian ship back that mm-hmm. found to be really interesting one of them is that you know the jawas were very interested in the ba- in baby yoda you know yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and um you know and he very much very forcefully tells them to leave him alone yes. um and everything like that and i thought that that's you know we kind of knew it was going in this direction but it's you know the story is even as short as it is has evolved now into like you know there's a uh that's very reminiscent of a old um comic and some films from japan called lone wolf and cub which is about a, a ronin samurai on uh, kind of on the run taking jobs where he can with his little son that oh, wow. you know kind of some of there's some scenes you know where he's actually even pulling him in a basket that's oh, very really? reminiscent of okay that and there you know just the way that the, he, the his you know of course he's you know he wants to protect them for financial reasons, but you do get the feeling that there's a bit of a paternal instinct within the Mandalorian to keep this 50 year old baby safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, just a side note: when when the asset was described as being 50 years old, um, and then you know we see the asset, I was very surprised. I have not come across this yet. Maybe it it does exist. Our listeners can definitely tweet this at me if it does exist. Um, But I was waiting to see an OK Boomer (laughs) meme with Baby Yoda because Baby Yoda is definitely like Boomer age. Yes. So um, if you find an OK Boomer Baby Yoda meme, please tweet it Mm -hmm. at me. Yep. Um. so, yeah,
1: that's it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff also that goes on with the child that we see here. One of the there's a great scene at the beginning of this episode that I think we shouldn't uh, overlook. And that is where the uh, Mandalorian is tending to wounds. And you see the uh, um, the child put out its hand. Oh, yeah. Like it's trying to maybe force heal yeah. um, the Mandalorian, which is kind of the first um, definitely trying to set up, you know, the scene that happens later on with the mud mudhorn or you're getting the first inkling that one of the reasons why this child is so sought after is because it is in fact force sensitive
0: yes and as we find out a little bit later incredibly strong in the force
1: yes and i don't know if that's you know we know not you know nobody knows anything very much you know there's uh, how should i i should rephrase that there's very little that's known about the species of yoda so mm-hmm. you know actually you don't even know what species Yoda is so is it you know is it saying that this is a species that is kind of born adept with the force is Mm -hmm. it something you know something along those lines um it doesn't appear that there's very many um uh, members of this species and so is it very difficult for them to reproduce but when they do they're very you know there's a lot Mm -hmm. of questions that are raised by this um episode but um I really really enjoyed just that scene where um he was trying to uh, heal the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. again, there's great facial in the, in the um, just great facial expressions within that um, within Yoda that um, kind of helps us uh, get humanized than the Mandalorian. We kind of project that onto the Mandalorian and how he cares about the baby kind of it's a nice reciprocal effect of their relationship that we see a lot in this episode. Mm -hmm.
0: So the negotiations between the Jawas and the Mandalorian are a little rocky at first he does try to shoot his flamethrower at them um but Queel convinces him that that's not the way to do business yes. with the Jawas he's not going to get what he wants uh so they finally settle on the terms of getting the egg like yes. they just talk about the egg and that's really all he has to go off of um and, and then we find he goes into the The Mudhorn's den.
1: Yes. And because in case, you know, as you know, the Mudhorn is very much that's the rhinoceros looking kind of reptilian desert dwelling animal that, you know, is going into the. But yes, I thought that that whole um you know that direction of that um scene was done really really well where we see you know we just see the eye opening then it cuts to the baby yoda and he just hears the blaster going off and yeah. we just we're reading that scene completely off of baby yoda's reactions to
0: it yeah um so then the the fight gets taken out of the den uh which at first i think it was an excellent choice on their part to just start with the mandalorian actually trying to just kill it right in the den because we we can't really see what is going on there's very little light um just a lot of movement Mm -hmm. uh but then it gets taken outside and um he's not having a very easy time with it in the scene um and it looks like all is about to be lost uh he's barely standing just holding a puny little knife yes uh which
1: that part i was like i'm wondering is that something that's like demonstrating about his culture his character how it is because i can't imagine that he actually thought that he stood a chance against the mudhorn with you know just holding the knife and then you have the scene right before that where he has like kind of these He's like this rope that shoots out, you know, kind of like a grappling, yeah. kind of like Batman's grappling hook Yeah, that gets shot out with him. I didn't quite understand what the plan was for that. He just shot it at him, then just for him to be dragged away. Right, exactly. I didn't know if he thought he could lasso it and everything, you know, but this, we're talking about a, a creature that's larger than an elephant. you know.
0: Well, I think it's an interesting point that you bring up that um, he didn't use his blaster uh, and I can't remember if he got it like knocked away or for whatever reason, um, or if it's just out of respect for the animal, that it's a more dignified way to kill it. If it's, yeah, that's a, That's
1: a good question. I don't, I, because know.
0: he, even after baby Yoda helps him, um, and actually just like force lifts the, yeah. the mudhorn um, before passing out, um, uh, he then goes over and still kills it with a knife. He does not use a blaster.
1: No, he uses the knife, which, yeah, which again, it's kind of, I was amazed that it was able to (laughs) get through the tough hide of that animal with that little knife and stuff. And I thought too, that it was, um, an interesting scene where it seemed as though uh baby yoda's ability to use the force was completely instinctual with it it mm-hmm. was almost like a reflex with it um and again i see that more and more especially with the new canon with characters um i find that the uh, arguments against uh ray and then the new film's ability to pick up the force so quickly mm-hmm. are pretty baseless and silly and um and then I'm glad that they have kind of instance where they have this, um, this um, character who's able to use the force so powerfully and still, you know, base, you know, being 50 years old being, you know, not, you know, not that different from an infant. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's very instinctual, very, yes. uh, very much like a reflex. Um, and I, I guess I've never really given it any thought that Ray picks up so quickly on the force
1: Well, that's a you know it's a lot of that's a, you know a lot of unfortunately a lot of, a lot of people say that they you know kind of feel that the new trilogy is invalid is because ray had you know is able to ha- is proficient with a lightsaber um with you know no training with she's not able to she's able to use the force with no training where again i don't see that you know why not why can't she be you know yeah <laughs> that's i uh why is, you know, why is the force have to be something that is trained for and acquired by cancer? So, you know, I never thought of, I guess, the force as being a democratic
0: well, thing. Right. And, you know, in
1: the, uh, you, know, you, know just this, you know, just this democratic thing in the universe. You know, there's some people who are obviously more powerful. We all, everybody knows that Yoda's supposed to be exceptionally powerful with the force and everything mm-hmm. like that, where you have some other um, force users who
0: aren't quite as
1: powerful. exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's just like, any skill that anyone might have, some people might be more proficient than others. Other people might have to work harder at, at getting to the same level. Uh, I, I never really, I guess like poo pooed that, but yeah, no,
1: I just, I, but you know, again, I, I like it that this at least has opened the door that there's that possibility that you can be, you know, it's, you can be an infant and still be extraordinarily strong with the force, you know, which and, um, so again, I don't find that argument valid and I believe it's rooted in a lot of really ugly things, mm-hmm. you know, namely sexism if or you know, but again, I, it, I feel like it's pretty well shown here that, yeah, the force can, the force can, you know, make, it can kind of flow to whoever it needs to be, you know, the, yeah. you know, the, the, um, I've always thought the you know the the story of the force is all about balance, and for whatever reason, this baby is you know very strong in some ways you know yeah and, and everything like that. Another thing too I like about this is it's I was uh, I don't say I was worried, but I was wondering if they were going to incorporate that side of star wars the more mystical side of star Mm -hmm. wars within the mandalorian and don't get me wrong like mandalorian covers a lot of things that i really love about star wars i love the pew pew guns Mm -hmm. everywhere i love the kind of grittiness of like the desert planets on the outer rim i really love just the idea of bounty hunters and the more western motifs that star wars has and everything like that but you can also denying the fact that that's part of what makes star wars special is the kind of the mysticism that flows through it and i'm oh, glad definitely. That they brought that in on it. and again i didn't know if they were going to if they were, i was hoping they wouldn't ignore it but i was wondering how it was going to be
0: incorporated into mm-hmm. it yeah i i think they could have just as easily kept it very i guess practical in the way that they i, I think they could have easily just gone without incorporating the force sure
1: no no you know and they did that you know in rogue one i thought fairly well where you didn't yeah. have necessarily a force user but you had people who had faith within you know of the within yeah. the force um they had faith in the force to allow them you know and that was i thought done well um but at the same time they didn't ignore it completely mm-hmm. um just in this world i could see you know one of the first characters any you know we meet in the whole world of star wars is han solo who basically Makes it yeah. apparent that, you know, he's not really had any run-ins to believe that
0: there's, you know, the uh, force. So, right. I was
1: wondering if that were going to go more in that line. Or yeah, that
0: line. yeah, definitely. Uh, so, to uh, wrap up the episode, the the Mandalorian is successful in retrieving the egg. Yeah. Uh, he gets all his parts back. And, obviously, he's got a big job ahead of him. Yes. That he is it's going to take days for him to put his ship back together but quill which i thought was a little convenient yeah like just happens to know how how to put a ship together you know he's an you know
1: you I know mean, we see ugnaughts in empire strikes back that's they're, they're mechanics i don't I,
0: <laughs> that's true i i guess i i just thought well he's he's a simple yeah farmer simple vapor farmer <laughs> um but clearly you know Going back to skills, you know, yeah, he's, yeah, he's got that innate. Yeah, yeah, we just, skill.
1: yeah, we have that. He has that going on, um, you know, and that was I, you know, a really interesting kind of, I don't know if it's technically a montage sequence. I guess it is of them reconstructing the yeah. uh, the ship and everything. And that was, you know, I, for me, for the episode that was already kind of, it seemed like it got to what the, you know, just got to what the episode was trying to achieve so quickly. I thought it was, I mean, of course we need to show them, I guess, put the ship back together but it could have just have easily shown them dropping off the scrap metal and then having the ship take off and we kind of could have put together that right yeah <laughs> that that that's what had, had happened so.
0: i think they're afforded a little bit of yeah exposition
1: there sure sure um can we go back to the egg i mean yeah. i remember when they um when the ju- it was just like it was Kind of funny and kind of, you know, just when the Jawas got it, they just kind of cut the top of it and they just kind of dip their hands and they eat, you know, the contents of the the yolk of this egg and everything. And man, that jaw hit, they made a very clean cut across the top of that. I was very
0: impressed at at the precision of that jawa cut.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, they, you know, he must have been working, you know, they were very excited about the egg and were
0: sharpening their machete or whatever it was all night long for it. Ready to get that sweet, sweet yolk. (laughs) Can't even make it into a giant omelet. It's just no, no, no. They didn't
1: not cooking it. Not they're just ready to, you know. And I guess you know. They, there was a great kind of more human moment where kind of the uh, Mandalorian just kind of um, shakes his head at kind of I guess the, you know, just at what he everything he went through every uh, everything that he, you know, for that
0: egg just for it to just be kind of a snack for these giraffes. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, yeah. They they just like eat it down so quickly yeah yeah i I thought i thought maybe with the egg that they were going to trade it for something more valuable because they are traders
1: yeah trade for more or maybe try to like raise it i don't know if it would be like if they you know try to tame a mudhorn yeah there's a lot of questions i had about once i realized what the egg was that they manually was trying to obtain that yeah what do jawas have what use could the jawas possibly have with that Just a tasty snack i guess so (laughs)
0: So let's uh let's head on into the enclave. Um for this episode, I I gave it a three and a half rating. So three and a half bars of Beskar out of five. Um again, world building, they did a fantastic job with it. Uh, I still wasn't totally invested in the Mandalorian. Um uh, the humanizing moments in this episode though did help quite a bit uh just like seeing seeing him interact with baby yoda um and seeing that not only how he interacted with baby yoda but how baby yoda reacted to him and and you could see already the bond between the two that that is forming i i think that really helped with sure character development now there was a
1: great scene where the mud horn knocks him down very violently and baby yoda's ears go down very much like yes. like a puppy's would or something yeah. <laughs> something bad happened to its owner you know? yeah. so i thought that was great um yeah i would probably put this probably about the same you know through each somewhere you know around a three or three and a half i thought it was a kind of a slight episode there was a few things i really enjoyed about it like the uh sandcrawler chase at the beginning of it yes again going back to um the fact that this you know these this series is taking star wars back to its roots as a Mm -hmm. serial that was great Um, uh, because that was very much like a train robbery type oh you know where there was different uh you know, and Jawas could have been easily kind of bandits on a train while the Mandalorian's like, you know, trying to take him out and everything. They were kind of yeah. just these nameless things that he was just trying to get to. And, you know, of course, the great scene was when he got to the top and it was just filled with Jawas to just knock him down again. <laughs> um uh one of my favorite things also about this episode is one of the Jawa's says uh says the word utini which yes. is i know if that's the word that is uttered in a new hope and from what i read about the word utini it means come over here <laughs> so, Oh, okay I've yeah, always so, so i like that that, they, that 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 was thrown in there um and also we got that line about weapons being a part of his religion i don't know if i actually liked the delivery of that line but i like the fact that they're kind of Talking more about, about just the culture of them of Mandalore and where the Mandalorians' um, thought process coming from, yeah. but yeah, this episode was just you know, I think was just trying to solidify the bond between the Mandalorian and the child. Like yeah. uh, that was the purpose of this episode was really just to have us spend you know a nice frolic with these guys to kind of make it so that we're more invested in them for future episodes. Yeah. So you know, again, I I you know i didn't you know for what i appreciated about the pilots um this episode i thought did a great job of keeping things moving but again it was you know when all said and done i think there was only about of actual show something like 28 minutes or something mm-hmm. of the show and i feel like I, that was just a little maybe a little too slight to really kind of get import any important character development um done with this episode
0: i i would totally agree with that and one more thought about the sandcrawler case or the sandcrawler scene i should say what that you brought up earlier um something that stood out to me not only the train robbery motif um was that it felt very reminiscent of the original star wars films i believe jim henson's company was in charge of creating the puppets right yeah yeah i felt like it was very much like in the vein of a Jim Henson sure puppet yeah. composition, because you had Java's popping out at yes. random areas. Oh yeah,
1: no, you know, in some ways, yeah, it felt you, know, you could almost see something like that in Labyrinth or something like exactly. that. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it felt very much like that sort of scene, yeah. um which again makes it feel like very, very familiar and mourn and not, not so much like in the prequels where everything was so new and different. But it, it feels like it it already has a place in the Star Wars universe.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely felt as though the Jawas were going to be coming down that way no matter what. You right. know, it just so happened that, you know, they are opportunists that took advantage of the fact that there was an unintended spaceship <laughs> right there yeah, right. as they were going by. Yeah. So that was something that's great. And yeah, and I'm all for more and more times, But like, I think that raises an important question of whether or not we're going to get more Ewoks. You know,
0: <laughs> that's an excellent, excellent point. I wouldn't be opposed.
1: Yeah, I actually I I guess I'm an Ewoks apologist. I guess I, I actually kind of love Ewoks. So
0: <laughs> my ideal situation for the show would be uh, IG-11 shows up in an Ewok heavy environment. And they start worshiping him as a deity. Oh, that would
1: be interesting. And I think Taika Waititi could do a lot of stuff with that. I think and, so too, yeah. No, no. But, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for all the cuteness of Star Wars also. So, yeah, the more you inhabit kind of this gnarled, dark world where there's Nazi-inspired villains, you can tip the scales the other way by giving us more big-eyed, cute creatures. I'm happy. So. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> well, and like you said, the Force is all about balance. Yeah, exactly. So more more cuteness for all of that nastiness (laughs) yes very much well i think that's a good place to wrap up for this episode thanks again for listening
1: a fistful of best cards is produced by dirk walker and jonah chrismore that's me to geek out with dirk and i about star wars and all things pop culture please follow us on twitter at dirk walker and at jonah chrismore our theme music is by lobo loco if you like the show leave us a five star rating and some Kind Words on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's simple and it really
0: helps.